Hi guys, welcome back to The Hangout. It's Sid, and if you love music as much as I do, well, this is the perfect podcast for you. Today, we've got the talented pianist, guitarist, and composer um, who's been playing alongside Sean Mendes for a few years now. Let's welcome Eddie Ryder to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great, thank you. First off, I want to ask you about the iconic Bad Reputation, the piano intro. You guys had played that, I think the first time was at Madison Square Garden. Is that true? That is true. Yes. I, I had to think back for that. But yes, yes, that, that's that's right. Do you want to talk about, I guess, kind of creating that little like intro bit or like what kind of sort of collaborations happened to kind of form that? Uh, Madison Square Garden's happened maybe I think a month or two after I started with Sean and uh, I, I joined in in the middle of a tour and on that tour around the same time I joined we got word that this uh, this show at MSG was happening so we started a lot of hotel room rehearsals we started trying to like extend any sound check time anything like that that we could get it just it was kind of everyone focus on on this and let's uh let's make this the best that it can possibly be um so with bad reputation i'm trying to remember it it was actually it was zubin um our 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 director who uh was like hey why don't we we open up like a little transition time here come up with something um do a little piano feature and that'll that'll move us nicely into the song the whole it, beginning of it, the idea of the um, just that repeated note line was actually an idea I took from a clinic that Greg Wells did back in my college. He had uh, multi instrumentalist composer. He had he had come in and like kind of gave us all a a talk about career path and composing and all of that. And he just, he sat down and improvised this beautiful piano piece. And I think he ended up like meddling it into um, a bunch of, of different songs. Um, but it, it all kind of gravitated to this, this little like one note repetitive theme. And it, for some reason, this is many years later, it was always in my mind. So I had wanted to always write something that that, that stemmed from that. Mm. And everything else kind of just came as like, I guess, ornaments around that. That's crazy. I guess that's that's the start of it. I don't know how that... That's crazy. Oh, and like you also just mentioned you had started a few weeks or months before with Sean and then suddenly you're playing MSG. What was that kind of roller coaster like? That yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was a, a lot at once. <laughs> not not in a bad way by any means, but <laughs> definitely a shock. Um, there were we, we did a lot within in those first few months that I never thought I would ever get the opportunity to do a lot of bucket list opportunities and, and right off the bat too which was I'm very very grateful for oh man I mean I guess take us back to like the, the audition process how did you become a part of Sean's team and like that band and everything I, I didn't actually audition um okay I mean, so the, the others will probably have a lot 
a, a lot more info on how the whole audition process went down. Um, Sean had um, another keyboard player, a good friend of his that he had worked with in the studio before he started touring or anything. And he naturally um, started playing in the band with him. And I think it was about a year and a half in, he, he decided to step down from touring for some personal reasons. I think, I think he just preferred to be in the studio and wanted to, to step away from everything. So uh, I came in to cover partway through um, summer tour of 2016. The band was super helpful and super welcoming. And I remember flying in and we did a, a last minute hotel room rehearsal. <laughs> like all right these are the songs um let's go <laughs> and, and you, everyone was super super accommodating from sean to the band to the crew and management everyone like everyone just made me feel right at home right away oh that's amazing and i think you have like a background with the other band members too like mike and um zubin what like what was it like kind of reconnecting with them and just playing music again it was really cool. Um, myself and Zubin had actually never played together before. This. Oh, wow. We, we had both known each other, both being in the same scene or in different bands on the same bills for, for many years. Um, but th this was actually the first time we played in a band together. Um, with Mike, uh, I've known him, I think, probably just as long. It was all the same pop punk band scene <laughs> many years ago. Um, but Mike have done much, much touring with. Uh, we both played with an artist named Francesco Yates. Yeah, done a lot of playing with Mike. Love that guy. He's <laughs> an amazing, amazing drummer. On our episode with Mike, he mentioned that you guys spent a lot of time in quarantine together when you guys were doing the Wonder Era stuff um, in LA last year. And he's like, you guys spent way too much time, maybe more time than you wanted to with each other. What's something that you guys learned about each other that you might have not known before spending that much time together? Mike eats a lot of pad thai. <laughs> I didn't know that one before. Um, <laughs> Dave is really fast at getting ready. Nice. I'm like self-conscious about like how long it takes me to like <laughs> get myself all together. I'm like, oh, Dave's already gonna like get, show all of us up. <laughs> Five minutes out the door. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really impressive. Like just how quick he is at like waking up and like he's already like he's already cooked meals for all of us. Um, had breakfast, done a workout, showered, gotten ready, and I, I'm still like half awake. <laughs> Are you a morning person? No, no, oh my. <laughs> not at all, not at all. <laughs> So the prime time is when you guys are on stage. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to talk about, I guess, your personal background and your musical journey. You have a bachelor's in music. Mm -hmm. What was that sort of like, I guess, studying um, classical music and all of that and everything prior to coming to the pop world and everything? My degree is technically in what they call contemporary music. Mm. So it was a couple years of, of jazz and then a couple years of like songwriting, film scoring, production, um, all that kind of stuff. And um, Dave actually went to the same school as me. Oh, nice. nice. Which is funny because we never met each other until the Sean project. We, I think we were a couple years apart. I started growing up doing classical piano, um, doing like the whole like, RCM grades and all of that stuff. Um, and in high school, uh, I really got into improvisation and into composition and definitely didn't 
keep up as much with the stuff that I was supposed to be playing <laughs> um, and what my piano teacher wanted me to play. But at, at that point, I knew music was something that I, I really wanted to to pursue and keep going with. Then looking at, at post-secondary options, there, there's classical or there was jazz and it being a lot a lot more into the improvisation aspect mm. and just the, I guess, nerding out on all the theory and everything. Um, I, I was drawn more to the jazz side. So I, I did my bachelor in that and then I did my master's in composition after. But all, all the while, I, I always I always wanted to play pop music, rock music. I knew that's that's what I loved and uh, that's where my focus was, oh, was always. So like while doing the whole school system and, and everything, I was constantly playing with anyone I could and performing any opportunity I got, backing up different pop singers or playing in different bands. That's amazing. I feel like I can relate on that note with like the theory and everything and just like growing up and not finding any interest in that whatsoever, yeah. but just like <laughs> wanting to play music and just expressing yourself through like the piano or whatever instrument form that is. Were you playing at the same time, like finding all the gigs while being in school and trying to have that balance? Yes. Yeah. I, I th that was a very, um, how should I put this? I, I guess I, I was very aware uh, of that at the time. I, I think a lot of that came from like being very immersed in music in my high school program. And then graduating from high school and being like, Oh, like, well, I don't get to play anymore. Cause all of that's over. And I was thinking about it. Okay, well, if I'm studying music to be a musician, the last thing I want is to get too overly involved with my school and then mm -hmm. graduate and not have any work. And that, sound, that seemed very counterproductive to me. Mm -hmm. So it, it was something where uh, I, would, I would really focus on trying to find a balance between, okay, I'm getting stay on top of my schoolwork, but I'm also going to put an equal amount of energy into it, into playing shows, into meeting different musicians and making sure that as soon as that final year hits and I'm out and it's over that I'm, I'm still busy. Yeah. Do you, do you remember what your first piano gig was? Probably like a piano recital that my piano <laughs> put on, but um, like actual performance would have been like playing at a, at a church, like growing up. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity at a very young age and I wish I remember how old I was when I started, but I, I feel like I was in grade school still um, where I got to accompany the singers at, at church and that became a weekly thing. And that was great for experience building. Yeah. Um, what were some of like the musical influences for you like growing up and getting into the music? Uh, Elton John was a huge one on piano. That that was that was I think one of the main influences of my piano playing. And uh, as I got older, uh, uh, the first album I went and got was Californication by Chili Peppers. <laughs> and at, at that point, I was starting to play more guitar and more bass and everything. Uh, and it, it's funny, Dave actually that was his first album too. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about that. Um, oh, here's a fun fact. So as we talked about, I, myself and Dave never met each other before touring with Sean, um, even though we went to the same school, had the same first album and all that. We both played 
a show together in high school. What? There was um, like a Guinness World Record event held for the most saxophones playing one song at once. <laughs> and we didn't realize this until like a couple of years ago. Uh, we both played saxophone in high school. And wow. we were both there. And for a while, we're part of this. It got beat out afterwards. But for a while, we were part of the largest group of saxophones ever to play Hockey Night in Canada. Very badly. But we did it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, like you also have been composing your own stuff, too. How has that been um, getting back to kind of your roots of composing and creating your own instrumental instrumental pieces? Uh, it's been... Uh... It's been fun. It, it's, it's a project that kind of had been put to the side for many years. Um, mm -hmm. It was just not, not, I don't say that in a bad way or anything. I just I enjoyed how we were touring and everything that we were doing. And it was kind of always on the back of my mind. I was like, yeah, I'd like to, to do a solo piano album one day. And I mean, the lockdown was kind of the, the perfect thing to do. I was like, well, yeah. I can't play music with anyone else. So I guess uh, I guess here we are. <laughs> I've got a piano. I've got a computer. I can I can start writing and recording it. So it's been it's been really fun. It's been a lot of a lot of learning. Uh, for many years, I've been the the hired musician on on a project, and now figuring out how to like put your own music out there is is a whole other world. Oh <laughs> man. Are you I, producing all of that in your, do you have a studio as well and you're producing that all at home or? Yeah, all, all the solo piano stuff I'm doing just completely That's by so myself cool. right now. So, yes. <laughs> Amazing. You mentioned that Elton John was one of your influences. I think, I want to say like, look up to the stars. Sean's song has a very Elton John-esque vibe and he's flying up on the piano. I think it was like the residency show and everything. What was it like getting to kind of mesh your two worlds and have that kind of, live performance yeah it was really cool um and this whole album has been like sean's really uh divin and dovin dived in go dive both were applicable sean really dove in deep with um with the piano on the album there's some really really cool parts really cool progressions and everything that he's come up with and just getting to learn it and getting to play it has been like so so fun um when when you mentioned stars i think sean actually did talk about like he he referenced um the elton john movie when he talked about okay we're gonna have like this special moment in stars and it's like it, it's funny that you you make that comparison because i think that that's exactly what he was going for with it i think i think it's like the moment when he's singing like in the troubadour I think, and then his, his entire moment like freezes yeah. and it's just like, it's just mesmerizing. And yeah. I just thought like, it was like exactly like that. And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I think that's the exact, uh, exact scene that he was referencing with it. So I, I, I guess, I guess it came across how it, it was came across. Like nice, yes. <laughs> I want to talk about your kind of relationship with Sean on like when you guys are performing live because I see he's playing more piano too. And then you are doing that as well. What's that sort of relationship like? I, I guess we, we look at all the parts that we want to cover when, mm. um, when we're putting the song together between myself, Sean, and, uh, and Dave too with, with his, uh, his bass synth. 
it's kind of just been, we look at what seems most appropriate for the song mm-hmm. um, and what seems, I guess, plan-wise for Sean, most authentic to the song and go from there and decide to break apart. Okay, well, I'll do guitar, he'll do piano, or I'll do organ, or Sean will play guitar on this and kind of just work it out from there. Nice. I don't know if that, that really answered your question. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. It's, 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 I guess it's just trying to figure out where you guys all mix together and blend so that it has like a really nice sound when you guys are performing live. And, and with, with this new album, there's so much piano and there's also so much synth mm. that it, uh, it, it made a lot more sense to have two of us on, on the keyboard part than mm-hmm. to have one of us doing guitar. Maybe that's the answer that made more sense to your question. <laughs> it took me a while to get there. When you're on the road too, like how many piano setups do you have? Like backstage and on stage and everywhere? I guess so. <laughs> I, do, you have, do you have more pianos than we see on stage or? Uh, I've got, so I have a shell that looks like an upright piano and then I've got two keyboards in there. Um, Sean's got his piano on the main stage and then we have a little B stage that he goes to partway through the show and he's got another piano there. Um, so we're at three rigs there. Um, and then often we'll have like a little setup backstage for practicing. Sean will have a little studio setup, and I'll just have a little like backpack size mini keyboard that I bring to the hotels with me. So there, there's a lot of pianos. <laughs> That's so fun. Uh, oh, I also want to rewind. Last year, they Netflix, the Netflix live in concert dropped, which was for the Rogers Center show. What was it like getting to relive that, I guess, iconic show that you guys played <laughs> before the pandemic happened, before anything was like, you couldn't do any of this anymore? It, it That was very, very surreal. It, it was like, it was kind of the feeling of going through like an old photo album that you hadn't seen in, in years and being like, oh, we did this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there was this extra level because it was a movie and someone else put it all together. And so I think, especially with the pandemic and everything, we didn't realize how much we forgot. And they they did such... the. the video team and the composer and everything and everyone just did such a good job putting it together that I, I feel like I would have been pretty emotional had it not been me <laughs> and being like oh like we lived this like I remember what's happening I remember being there I remember feeling like this exact same thing oh, man. and it's all like scored with music and everything you're just like oh my <laughs> I think it was crazy just seeing the amount of people in that venue as well. But I guess you guys have also played crazy venues like Rock in Rio and like Wembley and everything too that may not necessarily be captured to that level. But I guess, yeah, what was it like on that day when the lights were going low, the crowd was screaming? What was kind of going through your head on that day? We were definitely nervous, which, yeah, I mean, the the, the Rogers Centre for all of us being living in Toronto the Rogers Centre has always been the venue like the one that most of us feel will never ever have the opportunity to to be able to play and being able to to do that 
is just, it, it's more than I ever, ever could have <laughs> asked for or imagined. And coming up to that show, like it, it's, it, you're nervous, you're scared, but it's like that good nervous tension where it's like, you're, you're so excited and so happy also terrified <laughs> but you wouldn't want it any other way what was that moment like when the confetti kind of blows and in my blood hits it's always like the most like exciting almost like most rewarding part of the show at rogers we were looping the ending of in my blood and all the confetti goes off and sean like the idea is sean runs out to the b stage and he gives us a cue when he's gonna run back and we go to the ending there was so much confetti we couldn't see him (laughs) i don't remember how we got through it but i just remember we're all just like what do we do (laughs) Do are we ending do we keep going like we don't know where he is is he alive out there what's happening is he drowning in confetti over there yeah the confetti just kind of took over everything that's crazy because I, yeah, I think that was like the like the only stadium show that you guys were playing on that tour because it was just like an arena tour. It was. We did a couple stadiums in South America, if I remember correctly. Um, but that was that was the first headlining like stadium show like on Sean's tour that that he set up that that we had ever done. That's crazy. It was, just yeah, like- it was very very exciting. <laughs> I want to go back and watch the whole live in concert again and just relive it with, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> I guess you have experienced a lot of crazy, like, um, out-of-the-body experiences. What are some other ones or other moments throughout the last few years that kind of really stick out to you? Hmm. This is definitely one of those where three hours from now I'm going to be like, that's the one I should have said. Because <laughs> uh, I know there are definitely many. Uh, my mind's definitely going to the the final show in Mexico City. Ooh. The and that's I mean the last show any of us played before the pandemic. Um, is it was the final show of a hundred something show tour. It was a city that on the prior tour we didn't get to play because an earthquake happened. It was like just. I guess the accumulation of a year of traveling together and all these huge shows and huge events and just like it was like the last day of school kind of at the same time because we're all going home um I mean we were all planning on going home for a few months little did we know um I, I know Sean was crying off stage I definitely cried a bit it was that, that was a super emotional experience. Oh, man. What, what do you think you miss the most about touring and performing and everything? The energy of it, the, the rush you get being on stage and the, just the camaraderie you have between yourself and the other musicians. The, the, the magic that happens in a concert that doesn't happen anywhere else. <laughs> I've been saying to the other guys, it's like you guys have such a like a genuine connection on stage and it's just it's 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 evident when you guys perform all together there's just some like synergy that just like is infectious and it's just inspiring for so many people that like watch you guys on stage and see you guys doing what you love every single night it's just so cool and it just I I think everyone misses just being in like a venue all together just doing what we all love and just enjoying music for sure 
I guess for the hangout as well, we always want to talk about how music impacts people. And I guess like, what does music sort of mean to you? If this is like a very open, big, big philosophical question, but it's like, what does music, how does it impact you? What does it mean to you and everything? For me, it was always, it's an escape. Mm -hmm. And I guess I, I started having like a real connection with it in high school where it was it was that the one thing you could always always turn to whether you wanted something to relate to whether you wanted something to inspire you whether you wanted something to let you run away from from everything else and um listening to music was always that for me writing music was just this whole other level of, of that as well where i could it was just an outlet for for anything i was feeling or anything going on Again, this like back to what we were talking about earlier, where uh, I was deciding like, oh, I want to be a musician. This is what I want to do, and that that was the biggest factor in in all of it. It helps you through depression. It helps you through anything and everything. And uh, I knew how much listening to music, playing music, just music in general, did for me, and mm-hmm. I wanted to have that effect on other people. Mm. um and I, I think that that was that was a big part of kind of just knowing that I wanted to work with Sean for as long as I possibly could on it's maybe the second or third show um that I played with him I was feeling like a bit more confident and wasn't like backstage just going over my parts anytime <laughs> Sean was just <laughs> taking the stage solo um and came outside stage and, and watched a bit of, of what he would play. And he would do, at, at that point, a lot of the show would have him just, him and his acoustic guitar. So that's, that's how he started everything. Yeah. And he had this song called A Little Too Much, where it really was, it was that. It was just a, a song about like the weight of the world on you and like, uh, pushing on through that and he had this little speech at the beginning of how many people like came up to him and told him that this song in particular like got them through a b or c or whatever and kind of just hearing him say that just like kind of confirmed i was like yeah this is this is what i've always wanted to do this is like if this is what i i give to the world or whatever this is what i want it to be and um I was just very, very blown away by Sean's humbleness and his just the love and the, the kindness that that he gives out to, to everyone around him. And I just was kind of like, yeah, this, this is someone I, I want to work with as, as long as I can. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah, because I feel, I feel like even when you guys are on stage, when people go to concerts too. They go to the concerts to feel and kind of feel like they are in the place, the right place. And then when they leave, they listen back to their videos or whatever it is. And those videos can help get them through like the toughest times. And like, even for people this year would not being able to go to concerts mm-hmm. and everything really reflecting on like those old concert videos are those like things that people are cherishing onto. So you guys getting to do that. And like, I guess your goal is being achieved. How does that how does that make you feel knowing that one concert can change someone's life? Um, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I feel like, yeah, no, it's just crazy how impactful music is in that sort of sense, you know? 
and I'm very, just very honored to be able to do it and hope I can, hope I can do it justice. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys have been and it's just, I cannot wait for all you guys to like get back on the road and continue doing what you love because everyone just smiles when it's, when it all happens. And mm -hmm. yeah, man, I think that's a good note to end off all right. the podcast. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> um, Thank you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Hangout. That was Eddie Ryder on the episode today. Mm -hmm.